Hello everyone, Larry Bailey here with Bridge Lending Group bringing you another weekly installment of the weekly newsletter where we look back in time from last week or the previous week and see what happened and let's talk about it. Uh, as always, if you need anything from Bridge Lending Group for long-term financing, short-term financing in terms of bridges, uh, those kinds of things, also financing for long-term rentals and financing for short-term rentals, that's something new that we're going to be talking about uh, probably on tomorrow's uh, weekly Live with Chaley show. Make sure you give us a call at 855-74-RIDGE, or you can always email in any scenario to info at ridgelendinggroup.com. Or if you just want to check out any other information, you can always go to the Ridge Lending Group community, uh, check things out there, uh, or go to ridgelendinggroup.com. And we will keep you informed and educated to the best of our ability and here we go into the week of July 18, 2022, in review. The latest housing data shows that while home buyer activity may be slowing, demand remains strong. And meanwhile, home builders continue to face a backlog and jobless claims are on the rise. So here's what you need to know. First story is more to existing home sales data than meets the eye. Second story is builders are cautious about future sales. Third story is construction data shows continued backlog. Fourth story is initial jobless claims top 250,000 for the first time this year, 2022. And I think we've got a family hack in there. I don't know what it is yet because I haven't seen it. So we're going to talk about that then. So if you're watching this on screen, uh, we've got a visual where uh, more to existing home sales data than meets the eye right there, and it, and it kind of breaks down, again, into those quadrants uh, where we have the, uh, the north, and then we have the uh, like nor you know, northern part of the country, north midsection, and then the southwest, and then we have the south, and then we have the northeast. And existing home sales fell 5.4% from May to June, coming in at a 5.12 million unit annualized pace and worse than expectations of a 3.4% decline, so about 2% worse. On a year-over-year -year basis, sales were down 14%. Now, this is a critical report for taking the pulse of the housing market as it measures closing on existing homes, which represents about 90% of the market. June's report likely reflects people shopping for homes in April and May, which included much of the rise in rates we've seen this, this year so far. So what's the bottom line? While it's true that buyer activity is slowing, multiple data points suggest that data remains, excuse me, that demand remains strong, which should continue to be supportive of home prices. For example, homes remained on the market for just 14 days on average in June, down from 16 days in May, and the fewest days on market since tracking this metric began in 2011. Plus, 88% of homes that sold in June were on the market for less than one month. As always, home price homes that are priced right sell quickly, which is very basic in real estate, but people, you're always trying to push the top end, right? You always want to try and get as much money as you can, um, but people are, sellers are trying to sell, buyers recognize the value, and they're snapping them up. Uh, 14 days to uh, the sale on the market is just remarkable. Uh, in terms of inventory, there were 1.26 million homes available for sale at the end of June, which is nearly 10% higher than May's inventory level. This equates to about a three-month supply of homes, up from 2.6 months in May. 
However, six months is considered to be a balanced market, so this data speaks to the ongoing imbalance of supply and demand, which also should continue to be supportive of home prices. Supply and demand. It's very basic 101 economics here. Plus, some of the increase in inventory is due to seasonal norms this time of year and not lessening buyer demand, as the media may report. Every year, many parents list their homes for sale by late spring or early summer so their kids are settled in before the new school year begins in the fall, which causes a normal inventory buildup over the summer months. Absolutely. I'm in the Northeast and I see this all the time. Houses go for sale in June or July with the expectation of closing by uh, July or August uh, in the Northeast. Uh, schools typically start uh, near the beginning of September. I know it's different in different parts of the country, but that's typically what happens in the Northeast. In addition, CoreLogic's single-family rent report showed that the annual single-family rent growth remained at a record high in May, with rents up 13.9% compared to May 2021. So, again, as an investor, if you're not addressing your rental increases, you're missing, and honestly, a, a big opportunity. Always make sure that you're addressing your rent increases with your tenant appropriately, etc. But um, around the country, rents have gone up. Uh, on average, 13.9%. So this report includes both new and renewal rents, which are rising around 8%. Uh, these increases in rental prices should continue to push people to see the opportunity in housing, which again helps homes continue to appreciate. So it's definitely a push-pull on that, all on the way up. Lastly, Zillow released their July Home Values Index, showing that they think home prices will increase 7.8% over the next 12 months. Again, this is a national average. While this was a revision lower due to, some, uh, due to slower monthly appreciation numbers and a slower pace of sales, this level of appreciation is still extremely strong for wealth creation. 7.8% is a nice, healthy number that a lot of people can afford. Um, naturally, some won't be able to afford that, but uh, a lot of people can. So Zillow believes that we will see home price appreciation moderate to pre-pandemic levels, but that's very different than a crash, just a slower pace of appreciation. And you know, if you listen to Chaley on Tuesday calls, um, she talks about sustainable growth, right? So uh, again, every property is not going to appreciate seven, eight, nine, ten 10% year over year. Some properties actually uh, were priced too high and they might actually fall in value. Um, so you, you need to make sure you're aware of what your market is doing and, uh, and, and act accordingly. So the next story is builders cautious about future sales. Now, if you're looking again at the graphic on the screen, this is a graphic of the housing market index and the national uh, number is 55. Last month it was 67, so there's obviously a big dip here. And you can see again the graphic between the Midwest, the West, the South, and the Northeast. Um, those those uh, home builder sentiment um, numbers. So the National Association of Home Builders, the NAHB Housing Market Index, which is a near real-time read on builder confidence, fell, tw fell 12 points to 55 in July, coming in much worse than expectations of 65. Again, the previous month was 67. So looking at the components of the index, the current sales conditions fell 12 points to 64, Future sales expectations were down 11 points to 50, and buyer traffic declined 11 points to 37. So what's the bottom line here? Any reading above 50 on the index, which runs from 0 to 100, signals expansion. 
while readings below 50 signal contraction. So above 50 is expansion, below 50 is contraction. So while current sales conditions and future sales remain above or at 50, the real concern is the weak traffic coming in from the buyer reading. That buyer reading again was 37. So the NAHB's chairman, Jerry Conter, said, quote, production bottlenecks, rising home building costs, and high inflation are causing many builders to halt construction because the cost of the land, construction, and financing exceeds the market value of the home. Next story is construction data shows back, excuse me, construction data shows continued backlog. So the graphic here is residential construction as reported for June 2022. Permits were at 1.685 million, and that was about negative uh, 0.5 month over month, but was still up 1.4% uh, over the year. The big change here was the starts. That's at 1.559 million. That's down 2% month over month. And the completions, the number of homes actually completed, another big drop. Uh, that's at 1.365 million or negative 4.6% month over month. So supporting the comments from the NEHB, June saw a slowdown in home construction. Housing starts, which measure the start of construction homes, fell 2%, like I just said, from May to June, below the 1.4% gain that was expected. Starts for single-family homes, which are the most important because they are in such high demand among buyers, were also down 8.1%. And building permits, which are a good forward-looking indicator, starts fell 0.6% in June. Once again, single-family permits declined more significantly, dropping by 8%. So I'm not quite sure why the words here don't match the graphics. I have to find out. So I would pay attention to the written text, not the graphic. So what's the bottom line here, folks? Housing units authorized but not yet started were up almost 16%. So those are a housing unit that's authorized basically means the builder has a buyer, um, but they haven't yet started the, the process to, to build a house yet. Uh, so they're up almost 16% when compared to June of last year, which speaks to the backlog in building. That's what we've been talking about. In addition, completing homes remains <coughs> pardon me, one of the biggest challenges builders face. Overall, housing completions were down 4.6% from May to June, while single-family units completed fell 4.1%, completed fell showing that the backlog continues to grow. Now, one of the things that's not in here is housing completions down 4.6%. What you don't know is were they delayed or were they stopped? And that's one of the things that the data doesn't show. So what we look for here is an ongoing trend of housing completions um, where the, the number keeps falling. And that indicates uh, more about buyers completing their transactions versus backlog and supply chains, things like that. So we will continue to watch that. Uh, initial jobless claims, next story is initial jobless claims top 250,000 for the first time this year. So this graphic, we see a new state on here. Usually it's California, New York. Last couple times has been Texas here and there and Florida here and there. Now we've got Massachusetts. Uh, so this one's uh, this one's out of the out of the out of the left field here. So um, we've got the number of people filing for unemployment benefits rose by seven thousand in the latest week, as two hundred fifty-one thousand initial jobless claims reported. This is the first time since last November that this figure has been above two hundred fifty thousand. Continuing claims, which measure people who continue to receive benefits after their initial claim is filed 
rose by 51,000 to 1.384 million. So what's the bottom line here? Initial jobless claims have been steadily moving higher with the four-week average at its highest level since December. The trajectory is the, the trajectory higher is likely to continue given the announcement of significant layoffs uh, from several public companies, which means that we will eventually see higher unemployment rates. And this report can, can be the canary in the coal mine, quote-unquote, to show that the job market is still starting to soften. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was in Home Depot uh, this week, and again, I'm in the Northeast, and I went into Home Depot. I was going to order some storms for, for uh, one of my properties. And uh, there was nobody at the, uh, this was Sunday morning, there was nobody at the, uh, at the desk that you put the order in. And so I found somebody else, and this guy had been at Home Depot for 15 years. Uh, he was an old uh, plumber, and uh, meaning he's been in the trade for a while, not that he was physically old. <laughs> but anyway, I said, hey, what's going on? You know, how are you making out? And he said, uh, he sa- I said, a lot of people missing? And he goes, yeah, actually, we're short 20 people. We literally can't find people to work. I said, well, what are you paying? He goes, he goes actually, actually, I don't really know, somewhere between 13 or $14 an hour um, to come in here and work. So, you know, one of the things that I always watch, and again, I'm in the Northeast, and you, you can't survive on $26,000 gross pay. Like, I don't know who lives on that. That's, that's really, really tough anywhere, um, let alone the Northeast. I know it's obviously impossible in other states as well. But uh, I still think that there's a lot of opportunity here for for companies to figure out how to uh, bring more people into work in a responsible way and still keep the company running and and still have people get into work. So uh, we will continue to see uh, what happens here as uh, we continue these reviews. So here's the family hack of the week. As promised, the summer heat can be dangerous for people and pets alike. Uh, these important tips are for the, from the Humane Society, which can help keep our four-legged friends safe all season long. I went out and walked my dogs this morning. Uh, 8 a.m., it felt like 91 degrees here in, in New Jersey, which is, uh, is not safe at all for, for any, uh, any mammal, let alone a, uh, the two dogs that I have that are wearing big fur coats. So on very hot days, limit walks to early morning or evening hours and walk dogs on grass if possible as hot asphalt can burn their paws. Got to watch out for that blacktop. Uh, keep a lookout for, signs, for over in, uh, signs of overheating in your pets, which include excessive panting, increased heart rate, drooling is a big one people don't realize, um, weakness, glazed eyes, obviously vomiting if you start to see your dog vomiting. Got to get them inside. Uh, if you're ever concerned your pet is suffering from heat exhaustion, Please follow these do's and don'ts. Again, this is from the Humane Society. If you're away from home, move your pet into the shade so he or she can begin to cool off. If you're at home, bring your pet inside, sit in front of a fan, or place a cool uh, washcloth on her belly, ears, paws, and neck. It is important not to use cold water or a cold bath as this could shock um, your four-legged animal. So if you're ever in doubt, Call your vet and ask for further advice on what to do next. Definitely something to uh, to worry about for when you're walking your dog outside or your cat. There's lots of folks that walk cats. So what are we looking at for this week? Uh, there's more housing news ahead, beginning with Tuesday. That's tomorrow's release of the new home sales for June, along with home price appreciation data for May from the Case-Shiller Home Price Index and the Federal Housing Finance Agency 
house price index. June's pending home sales data follows on Wednesday. Thursday brings us the first reading on GDP for the second quarter, along with the latest jobs claims data. And while crucial inflation numbers for June will be reported on Friday, and that's via the Fed's favored measured personal consumption expenditures, or PCE. But perhaps the biggest news will be the Fed's two-day meeting beginning Tuesday, that's tomorrow, with a monetary policy statement and press conference coming Wednesday. The Fed is expected to hike its benchmark Fed funds rate. Again, this is the interest rate for overnight borrowing for banks and is not the same as mortgage rates. Uh, so they're going to, they're expected to hike its benchmark Fed funds rate to help cool inflation. Investors, meaning the market traders, will closely be watching the Fed's actions and the Fed's commentary. So last week, just uh, an idea here on the rates, last week we saw a market improvement um, in most interest rates, not all, because not everything is tied to the mortgage-backed securities market. Um, today, starting off, we're, we're off 16 from where we closed Friday. And uh, the, in the chart that we've been watching is, again, it's trending slowly in a better position, which is what we like. We don't necessarily want to see huge gains really quick because that can also mean huge falls really quick. So nice and steady is uh, wins the race usually, and hopefully this additional information will show that we are not going to go into a recession, which is what everybody is worried for. But this reading, this first reading on the GDP, again, the final reading was that we lost and the technical definition of a recession is two quarters of lost GDP. So we'll see what happens. Thanks, everybody, for paying attention to these weekly updates. My name is Larry Bailey, again, with Ridge Lending Group. And we are always happy to bring more information and education to you every day. Any questions at all, always call 855-74-RIDGE. Send an email to info at ridgelendinggroup.com. You can always visit the Ridge Lending Group community. For more information, as well as RidgeLendingGroup.com, thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day.